Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to another episode here on the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And guys, in today's episode, we are going to be recapping all of the action that we had from week 8 of the 2022 NFL season. Now guys, this was definitely an interesting week because we had a Monday night game on Halloween night. That was a pretty good game. And we also just had a really good slate of games over the weekend so guys before we do start talking about all of the action that we did have from week eight i first want to ask y'all to please make sure that you do like share comment rate do whatever you can to make sure that we continue to spread and grow the cover seven podcast so as many people will be able to keep be be kept up to date with college football and nfl news so guys thank y'all again so much for all the love they all have shown and i definitely look forward to being able to continue to continue Man, I just can't even talk. I definitely look forward to being able to continue doing these recap and previews for all of you beautiful people out there listening. And guys, like I always say here on the Cover 7 Podcast, I don't want to waste y'all's time. I definitely don't want to waste my time either. So let's get right into today's episode. And guys, to kick off week 8 of the 2022 NFL season on Thursday night football to kick it all off down in Tampa Bay as we had Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens taking on Tom Brady and the struggling Tampa Bay Buccaneers and well offensive struggles were kind of the big thing in this game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as Tom Brady just never really could get his foot going in this game as on the day he would go 21 for 36 281 yards passing with zero touchdowns and zero interceptions and you know if you're looking at the uh looking at the stats looking at the box score it's really not going to give you the full you know, image of really just how off this game was, just offensively how off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were in this game. Mike Evans, he had a few drops on the day, which is kind of weird because throughout his career, he's been kind of known as like a magnet when it comes to catching the football. And then for Tom Brady, he also did miss some passes as well. Like I'm talking decently over through, so just not really a good, you know, really good day for Tom Brady. So you would think, okay, they're going to get Leonard Fournette in this run game for the Bucks going. And that's what they did in the first quarter. As in the first quarter, they were able to put up 10 points and it looked like, okay, they'd be able to score a decent amount in this game. Well, unfortunately, after that first quarter, just the offense, they resorted back to a lot of issues that killed them against Carolina a week ago as Leonard Fournette, unfortunately, on the day, he would only have nine carries for 24 yards rushing and one touchdown, which would be the touchdown that Tampa Bay would score in the first quarter. And funny enough, that was actually the first touchdown that Tampa Bay has scored in the first quarter the whole season, which I didn't even realize until I was watching the game on Amazon Prime. And they show you like all these 50 different stats. Yeah, that was their first scored touchdown in the first quarter throughout the whole season and we're already at week eight so yeah just not a really good start to the year for the tampa bay buccaneers as mike evans statistically had a really great night having five receptions for 117 yards receiving and zero touchdowns he did make a couple really good catches but outside of him and chris godwin who was able to put up 75 receiving yards just nothing was really able to get going julio jones who was making his return for the bucks he only got targeted three times in this game with, with one of those being one reception for 13 yards. He also did make a pretty good catch in the fourth quarter, but ultimately the ball, it would touch the ground, so it would get called back. But, man, just the biggest thing in this game was the fact that it was such a struggle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to get anything going on offense. And then to make matters worse, I mean, the one guy that you really – that I know Tampa Bay fans really didn't want to see leave in this game that's not on the offensive side, Shaquille Barrett, their star edge rusher, he would leave this game. So just not a really great night for the Bucks. And, you know, on the flip side for the Ravens, you know, 
didn't really start off that great for Lamar Jackson is on the night. Statistically, he did really good. 27 for 38, 238 yards passing with two touchdowns and zero interceptions after the first half. Especially in the second half, he was really able to get things going. And, you know, his biggest... I mean, really, his biggest connection, which we've known all season, has been Mark Andrews, who he didn't even target once last week. And, you know, Mark Andrews on the night would have three receptions for 33 yards receiving, but would leave the game with a shoulder injury. So that's a huge loss to that Baltimore Raven offense that really, and I mean, really, they do rely on him a lot. But don't worry, Ravens fans. Y'all drafted a super good tight end out of Coastal Carolina, who I've always been high on. In Isaiah Likely. I've loved this kid since he was at Coastal Carolina when him and Grayson McCall were just doing amazing things over there at Coastal as Isaiah Likely would have a career high day going have gone for six receptions for 77 yards receiving and one touchdown on the night. And man, just did he really come in clutch whenever Mark Andrews went down. He really kind of showed to the Ravens that hey, you know, he is our second tight end option, and him and Mark Andrews are really gonna be a great tight end duo for the uh, Baltimore Ravens and then for the rushing wise for the Ravens obviously they're uh, they're run based offense they're going to run first before they do pass um, Gus Edwards who was coming back finally due to some injuries he suffered early on in the year uh, he would actually not have a bad night 11 carries for 65 yards uh, rushing and zero touchdowns but he would leave the game I don't remember the exact what like part of his body was injured but he would leave the game and would be questionable because he left in the fourth quarter uh, Kenyon Drake who's kind of emerged really as a Really consistent back for the Ravens. I mean, if you watched him in Miami, watched him a little bit in Arizona, and then also in Las Vegas, he's been a steadily good backup running back throughout his career. As on the day, Kenyon Drake would have seven carries for 62 yards rushing. Didn't have any rushing touchdowns, but he was able to get one passing touchdown as ultimately Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, shout out to their defense because their defense did step up a lot in this game. They didn't get any type of interceptions or fumbles or anything like that. You know, they only got three sacks on the night, but ultimately they just, they really outplayed this Tampa Bay Buccaneer team as Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, they would get the W on Thursday Night Football to beat Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 27-22 as Lamar and the Ravens. They now improved to 5-3 and three on the season, and Tom Brady and the Bucs, they now fall to 3-5 and five on the year after just what has been a really rough stretch here after the quarter part of the season. Tom Brady just does not look like himself, which, is, which you could really account largely to a lot of stuff that's going off off the field in his life. But, man, I really think, and, you know, I really hate to say it because I do like Tom Brady. I really think it might have been in the best of his interest if he had just stayed retired because, man, this season is doing no real good for him. It just looks like he's forcing himself to be out there. But hopefully things do get fixed for Todd Bowles. I Personally, I love Todd Bowles. I didn't think he really got a chance with the Jets when he was their head coach, so... Hopefully things do get fixed down in Tampa Bay. But anyway, the Ravens, they do defeat the Buccaneers on Thursday Night Football 27-22 as we kick off Week 8 of the 2022 NFL season. Now anyway, guys, that was the only Thursday Night game that we did have. So now let's go over to Sunday slate of games. And the first game that we did have, and you know we all had to wake up bright and early for this one, over in London as we had Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos taking on Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars over in London to kick off Sunday slate of games. So this is going to be the first game we talk about before we do start talking about our noon slate of games. And while in this game, the biggest thing for the Broncos, despite losing to the Jets last week where they showed 
no sort of offense. I mean, none. Brett Ripon looked horrible. The whole offense looked horrible. You know, obviously not having guys like Javante Williams has been huge for them. But they did get Russell Wilson back in this game, who by no means has played good. I mean, not one bit. Definitely not worth the $250 million price tag that he has attached to him. So there's a lot of things that I know a lot of Bronco fans were interested in, myself included, because I wanted to see, okay, is Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson going to really break out against the secondary of the Jacksonville Jaguars that – you know, if he's really worth it, he should have no issue throwing the football against. And then for the Jaguars, you know, despite them being 2-5 and five going into this game, you know, their record doesn't really give them any types of justice. I mean, they're not a bad football team. They've lost a lot of close games. You know, they traded James Robinson over to the Jets, who was their starting running back about a year or two ago before they went out and got Clemson running back uh Travis Etienne Jr. And then Travis Etienne this year, the former first-round pick back in the 2021 draft, he started to finally gain his rhythm, gain some momentum here in the NFL alongside his former Clemson teammate, Trevor or Trevor Lawrence, who's also been looking pretty decent. I wouldn't say great by any means. He did have a lot of turnover issues to start the year. But overall, a very entertaining matchup to kick off our Sunday slate of games on NFL Sunday. And, well, you know, the headline going into this game was could Russell Wilson and the Broncos finally get over shooting themselves in the foot and, you know, be able to pull out a win. And it gets the Jacksonville Jaguars team that, you know, even though they have lost five straight games, or I think it's four or five straight games, they've literally only lost them by one possession or less. So obviously they're going against a really good team. And well, for the most part, the Denver Broncos who had really prided themselves on having a good run defense. They got ran all over in this game. Travis Etienne Jr. of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the former uh, former first-round pick out of Clemson in the 2021 draft, he had his best career day against the Denver Broncos as he had 24 carries for 156 yards rushing and one touchdown. But the real thing that would kill Jacksonville in this game would be the fact that Trevor Lawrence and his decision-making just were not together in this game as Trevor Lawrence. He would throw two crucial interceptions. And then to make matters worse, also throughout this game, Trevor Lawrence would just overthrow wide receivers, underthrow wide receivers, and just a, he just struggled to be able to get the ball to his target in this game. And it really is what costed you know Jacksonville this game because Jacksonville realistically, the way their defense was playing, they should have been able to win this game. I mean, they, they should have been able to win this game overall. I mean, they sacked Russell Wilson, continuously got a lot of pass rush and everything like that. I mean, this was really Jacksonville's game to lose, and that's exactly what they did as, as Trevor Lawrence on Jacksonville's last drive of the game. He would throw an interception to Kawan Williams, and that would really seal the game as Denver, they would be able to get a first down, run the clock out. As Denver, they finally get a much-needed win as they now improve to 3-5 and five on this season. The Jaguars, they now fall to 2-6, and six, and they lose their sixth game of the year by one possession. So, man, just some really rough times going on right now for Jacksonville. They're still very young. They still have a lot to learn and everything like that. The bu the future definitely is bright in Jacksonville, but, man, this was a game I think a lot of people could probably tell you that they probably should have won. And then for Russell Wilson, you know, not his best game by any means. I know he was pressured a lot in this game, but overall, when he, he finally stepped up when it mattered the most, a huge reason and why the Broncos went out and got him from Seattle as Russell Wilson on the day. He would go 18 for 30, 252 yards passing with one touchdown and one interception. And, you know, for the Broncos, they're kind of having an emerging rookie come for him. You know, we already had Baron Browning of last year's class. He's really emerging as kind of, I think, probably a good rotational piece on the edge. But 
For Denver, I think they found their new tight end in Greg Dolkic, a rookie out of UCLA. I mean, he's really found his step for this Broncos team as on the day he led them with four receptions for 87 yards receiving. And like once again, with the Broncos, by this win, I think this really did save Nathaniel Hackett. There were a lot of reports going out that if the Broncos, they lost this game, Nathaniel Hackett would get get put literally on the chopping block and would see his way out of Denver. And then you got guys like Jerry, Judy, Bradley Chubb, and all these guys that are huge, I mean, just huge trade acquisitions that other teams are really wanting. So by the time this episode comes out, the trade deadline will already have been no, actually, the day that this episode comes out, the trade deadline will be. So it'll be interesting to see how and what happens with these guys on the trade deadline. But anyway, the Denver Broncos, they finally get a much-needed win over the Jacksonville Jaguars, 21-17 to as the Broncos, they'll return home with the win. And the Jaguars just could not quit shooting themselves in the foot as they now drop their sixth game this year by one possession. So, but anyway, guys, that was the only morning game we had, our only game that we had across the pond on week eight so now let's get over to our noon slate of games and the first game that i do want to talk about is going to be one of the biggest shockers that we had of the weekend and this was the las vegas raiders traveling out to new orleans to take on the new orleans saints and well for me personally and i know in my uh preview episode that i did for week eight i had the raiders win in this game i mean you have Devontae Adams, you have Josh Jacobs, I mean, heck, even Derek Carr has been kind of stepping it up these past few weeks. It looked like this could easily be a win for the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, the Saints, a week prior, just got had a just offensive struggle against the Arizona Cardinals, and just, it looked like this would be an easy win for the Raiders, and well, it just an interesting stat for y'all, y'all stat nerds out there is, the Las Vegas Raiders didn't even cross over the 50-yard line in this game until midway through the fourth quarter Derek Carr was horrendous in this game going 15 for 26 101 yards throwing with zero touchdowns and one interception he would actually get benched in favor of former New England Patriot and Auburn Tiger quarterback Jarrett Stidham and Jarrett Stidham would come in and didn't do horrendous 8 for 13 72 yards passing zero touchdowns and zero picks but man, Las Vegas just had no, I mean, just no source of offense. Josh Jacobs only had 43 rushing yards on the day. And then Devontae Adams, the $200 million wide receiver that they went out and got from the Green Bay Packers in the offseason, he only got three receiving yards on the day and looked like he kind of finished his day when Derek Carr did. So, excuse me, guys. I mean, it's just really rough day for Las Vegas offensively. I mean, they just could not get anything going. Mac Hollins would lead them in receiving yards with 64, but man, there were no positives really that came out of this game. They also didn't even get a single sack on the day, and when you have guys like Chandler Jones, who went out and got in free agency, you got Divine Diablo, Max Crosby. I mean, it just it's just it's just hard to watch if you're a Raiders fan. But for the Saints, there's a lot of positives that you could take out of this game. Your defense stepped up against an offense that was projected to be arguably one of, if not the best offenses in all of on all of the NFL. I mean, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr, who looked like he'd be able to take a step this season. I mean, the fact the Saints were able to control them is just huge for them. And then for Andy Dalton, who did struggle against the Arizona Cardinals a week ago, he looked really good in this game. 22 for 30, 229 yards passing with three touchdowns, or sorry, not three, with two touchdowns and zero interceptions. Alvin Kamara, he also did his thing rushing and receiving as he led the Saints in both of those categories. Alvin Kamara, he would have 18 carries for 62 yards rushing and one touchdown. And then he would really get it going in the receiving game with nine with nine receptions for 96 yards receiving 
and two TDs on the day as Alvin Kamara and this New Orleans Saints offense and really the defense. The defense deserves a lot of credit on the day. They were able to get four sacks and that pick and just really they controlled this whole game as the Saints would go on to beat the Las Vegas Raiders 24-0 as the Raiders they now fall to two and five on the year, and the Saints they now improved to three and five. I mean, I didn't see the Raiders being two and five. I mean, I don't think most people did either. But man, just what a disappointing year it has been for the Raiders. And you know, the Saints they get back in the win column. I mean, not a lot of people didn't expect them to win really this year, myself included. So just a good overall win for the New Orleans Saints. Now the next game that we have, we're going to travel back up north as we have the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Philadelphia Eagles, and well. A.J. Brown is starting to look like a steal for the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, the uh, the Eagles, they traded a first-round pick in last year's draft, or in this year's draft, and another pick to get A.J. Brown from the Titans. And it's looking like the Eagles won that trade as A.J. Brown on the day would have one of his best career games, six receptions for 156 yards receiving and three touchdowns. He just obliterated this secondary of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then you definitely got to shout out Jalen Hurts a little bit because Jalen Hurts, he had an amazing day as well. I know a lot of fantasy owners, they were definitely happy with his performance in this game. As Jalen Hurts, he would go 19 for 28, 285 yards passing with four touchdowns and zero interceptions. They just they just could not be stopped. And really, even in the run game, which in which they didn't really run the football that much in this game, they still had a really solid day. Nine carries, 78 yards rushing, and one touchdown for their lead back, Miles Sanders, as they just obliterated the, the Pittsburgh Steelers 35-13. to Pittsburgh never really could get anything going on offense. Kenny Pickett, he threw another interception this week, but he'd go 25 for 38, 191 yards passing, and then, of course, with that one interception, as that now is a total of, uh, I want to say he has a total of, let me look real quick, seven interceptions on the year, and he's projected to get about 17. So, yeah, just a little bit of concern for the young quarterback, but, and he also had two fumbles in this game, but one of them he would lose. So, But overall, really rough day for the Steelers. As the Philadelphia Eagles, they remain perfect and improve to 7-0 and on the year. Or, no, yeah, they remain, they, yeah, they improved to 7-0 on the year. As the Philadelphia Eagles, they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 35-13. to And the Steelers, they now fall to 2-6. and now, guys, for our next game, we're going to stay up north as we have the Miami Dolphins led by Tua Tagovailoa and Tyreek Hill taking on Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions. And, man, Detroit really had this game. I mean, they really did in the first half. They led the Miami Dolphins. I think it was like 21-7 to at one point, and then they just gave the game up. Tua Tagovailoa on the day had a really solid day, 29 for 36, 382 yards passing with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. He looked like the Tua that we always known back in, in Alabama. And, uh, well, the story of the game had to be Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, uh, which is arguably probably the best wide receiver duo that we have in all of the NFL. Tyreek Hill, he would have 12 receptions for 188 yards receiving. Didn't get a touchdown, but dang near almost had 200 receiving yards on the day. Jalen Waddle, he would actually make up for those touchdowns. Eight receptions for 106 yards receiving and two tutties on the day. As Miami offensively, they bought out in this game. And then for the Detroit Lions, they just kind of fiddled out in the second half, being completely shut out, didn't put up a single point, and just really disappointing day for the Lions is, you know, what what seemed to be a really good start to the year, you know, almost beating the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, and then going and beating, I forgot who they beat, let me let me check real quick on the on Detroit's schedule, who they beat. Yeah, they went out and beat Washington back early in week two, and it looked like a really solid win, and it looked like they would have a decent year, but now they've literally dropped 
Uh, they have dropped. Let me count real quick. One, two, three, four, five straight games. So, yeah, just some really rough times going on right now in Detroit. And the biggest thing I can say personally is don't put a lot of blame on Dan Campbell and his staff because, to be honest, it's really not their fault. There is Obviously, there's a lot of coaching issues that definitely need to be, you know, Definitely you need to kind of be worried about. You could probably say play calling. You could also say defensively. But Dan Campbell is not the issues with the Detroit Lions. It's not the issue with the Detroit Lions. It's got to be front office, not making the right moves, making the wrong moves, signing a lot of players to these huge contracts that don't deserve them, and then not signing players that do deserve those contracts. So, But overall, Miami, they just utterly dominated in the second and third quarter as they would go on to beat the Detroit Lions 31-27 to as Miami, they now improved to 5-3 and on the year. And the, and the Detroit Lions, they now fall to 1-6. and So, man, Miami, they're starting to get back into a groove. And unfortunately for the Lions, they just have no sort of groove after that Week 2 win against Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders. So, But anyway, guys, the next game that we're going to be talking about is going to be over in Arlington at AT&T Stadium as we had the Chicago Bears traveling out west to take on the Dallas Cowboys. And well, in this game, I think Dallas might have found their new running back one is Tony Pollard, who I know a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans have been wanting to start, myself included. I've known this kid has been a stud. I know I, I personally know his running back coach. Coach Jones, who was at, who was with him at Memphis, now he's at TCU. I mean, he says this is one of the best running backs he has ever coached. And, well, Tony Pollard really made that statement live up as Tony Pollard on the day would have his best career game as a professional, 14 carries for 131 yards rushing and three touchdowns on the day. I mean, just a monster day as Ezekiel Elliott did not play in this game due, due to an hyperstended knee that he suffered last week. But, I mean, hey, if, if I'm the Dallas Cowboys right now, especially Jerry Jones and all of this staff, I mean, I know obviously you're paying Ezekiel Ezekiel Elliott a fortune, but this Tony Pollard kid, I'm telling you, he's been with y'all for you know about four years now. I think it's time to let him take over the reins and become running back one. And then for Dak Prescott, who is now in his second second straight start since when he suffered that. A thumb injury against the Buccaneers in week one. He played fantastic in this game. He did throw one interception, but outside of that one pick, Dak Prescott was pretty much near flawless in this game as he'd go 21 for 27, 250 yards passing with two touchdowns, and then that one pick. CeeDee Lamb would also have a really good game, five receptions for 77 yards uh, receiving and one touchdown. And, well, you're probably going to think, you know, if you didn't watch this game, that, hey, you know, Dallas played really well on defense. You know, they're going up against a pretty weak offense in the Chicago Bears. Well, the Chicago Bears, you know, head coach Matt Eberflus, they're finally starting to figure out we need to play to the strengths of our quarterback, kind of similar to what John Harbaugh did back forever ago with Lamar Jackson whenever he became the starting quarterback for the Ravens. And they're starting to run the football a lot more, and it was really effective today. Justin Fields, he would have eight carries for 60 yards rushing and one touchdown. Khalil Herbert, he would have 16 carries for 99 yards rushing and one touchdown. David Montgomery, he would also put up 53 rushing yards as well, as the Bears would have a total of 240 rushing yards on the day with two touchdowns. Not bad. I mean, they looked a lot more consistent. Darnell Mooney, who... The Cowboys really tried to eliminate in this game, and they did for the most part. Had five receptions for 70 yards, receiving and zero touchdowns. And then in Kill Harry, the uh, the wide receiver that the Patriots, who drafted in the first round back, I think in 2018 or 19, he finally got a, his first touchdown in what seems like forever. Two receptions for 24 yards on the day with that one touchdown. As the Bears' offense really was not that bad in this game. I mean, 
Justin Fields looked really good even throwing the football, going 17 for 23, 151 yards passing with two touchdowns and zero interceptions. But the biggest problem is his O-line as he would be sacked four times in this game, which would lose them about 25 yards. Just a really rough day. Hopefully the offensive line, which did kind of step up a little bit in this game, considering the fact they're going up against guys like Micah Parsons. You got obviously Demarcus Lawrence, just that incredible defense of the Dallas Cowboys. They stepped up a decent amount, but unfortunately, just the defense in this game just struggled against the run game of the Dallas Cowboys as Dak Prescott and the Cowboys were going to beat the Chicago Bears 49-21 as the Cowboys. They now improved to 6-2 and two on the year, and they're looking really strong. I mean, Dak Prescott coming off of that thumb injury, he looks a lot better than he looked in Week 1. And then for the Chicago Bears, it's obviously going to be a rebuilding year, a developmental year, which a lot of the you know broadcasters said in this game, and that's rightfully so. Justin Fields, he showed a lot of the talent that we saw back when he was at Ohio State. He's going to be a really good quarterback for the Bears. It just needs to take time. The Bears, who are going to have a buttload of cap space in next year's, in next year's free agency, they should be able to make some moves to hopefully improve the Chicago Bear team so Chicago the future is bright but you're gonna have to wait a little bit and then for the Cowboys I mean I think the future's here in terms of running back Tony Pollard you're gonna need to resign him but I definitely think you got to make some offseason moves in order to make some more space and but I think personally Tony Pollard just absolutely should be running back one right now for the Dallas Cowboys but anyway enough of me ranting about my Dallas Cowboys and everything like that let's talk about the uh some more games that we did have in this afternoon slate and we're gonna travel back up north as we had Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots taking on the New York Jets and man I'm just gonna say this right now for the Jets Zach Wilson is not your answer at quarterback. He is not going to be your franchise quarterback. I, I could have told you this when he was coming out of BYU. He showed a lot of talent. He has a really good arm, but he has no type of decision-making. Zach Wilson on the day would go 20 for 41, 355 yards passing with two touchdowns and three interceptions, which would be very crucial in this game. Uh, Garrett Wilson, the first-round pick out of, out of um, Ohio State, the wide receiver they took, he had a really good day, six receptions for 115 yards receiving. But, man, when you don't look at all the other numbers, and you, like when you look statistically, it doesn't look like a bad game out of the three interceptions Zach Wilson threw. But if you genuinely watched this game, it just looked at how Zach Wilson just – just could not make a good decision. I mean, it just it's it's unfortunate. I mean, I know Jet fans really wanted him to work out, but I don't think he's your answer at quarterback. I think you need to potentially go into hell even next year's draft. I know right now you sit at five and three, but even then, I mean, you need to find a new resolution at quarterback because Zach Wilson, he is just not it. But outside of that, you know, overall New York, they didn't play a horrible game. Defense wasn't as stout as they normally are. But, I mean, they did have six sacks on the day, which is definitely not bad by any means. But Mac Jones, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Patriots now. Mac Jones, who got benched last week in favor of Bailey Zappi, and they're just horrifyingly bad loss to the Bears. He actually had a pretty decent game, going 24 for 35, 194 yards passing with one touchdown and then one interception. And then, like I said, he was sacked six times in this game, which is something you definitely don't want, especially for your quarterback who literally has been banged up pretty much for the most part of the year. But um, in terms of running the ball, Ramondre Stevenson, he got back into it, having 71 rushing yards on the day. And really, they didn't do anything too majorly crazy on offense. I mean, their defense is really what stood out in this game as they were able to really control, really control the energy. Devin McCourty, New England's veteran safety, who feels like he's been there for forever. 
He would have two interceptions on the day, and the Jawan Bentley, the middle linebacker for the Patriots, would have one. As the Patriots, they would go on to upset the New York Jets, which I didn't expect to happen at all, 22-17. to So, good win for the Patriots. As Bill Belichick, he also now moves to number two in all-time wins in NFL history. So, congratulations to Bill Belichick on achieving that. So, just overall, good win for the Patriots. Still a lot to approve on on both sides, especially for the Jets in terms of quarterback play, but... Man, I just I don't really know what to make out of Zach Wilson. I know it's only his second year, so y'all probably gonna be like, dude, chill out. He still has a lot more time to learn, but I just in my opinion, I don't think he should be the franchise quarterback for the Jets. I mean, I don't think he will, and I just <laughs> instead of just kind of baffled. But anyway, guys, the next game that we are going to talk about, we're gonna travel and we're well not travel. We're gonna stay up north as we have the Arizona Cardinals taking on Kirk Swaggy Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings, and well. Kirk Cousins was definitely feeling himself in this game. You know, after that video came out of him on the private jet, you know, had the chains on, the white tee. I mean, he really was feeling himself in this game against the Arizona Cardinals. As Kirk Cousins, he would go 24 for 36, 232 yards passing with two touchdowns and zero interceptions. Just an absolute brilliant day for Kirk Cousins, who finally... Didn't really make as many mistakes as we saw early on in the year. And then for rushing-wise, you already know Dalvin Cook, man. He had an amazing game today against that really weak pass rush of the Arizona Cardinals. Rush, rush and pass rush of the Arizona Cardinals. As Dalvin Cook on the day, he would have 20 carries for 111 yards rushing. And then also would put a touchdown just to put a cherry on top. Now for receiving-wise, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, they would both have over 50 receiving yards apiece. Justin Jefferson, he would have he would have about dang near 100. And then Adam Thielen, he would have 67 on the day. And then for the flip side for the Arizona Cardinals, Alvin, or not Alvin Murray, <laughs> Kyler Murray, he had an okay game, you know, despite throwing two interceptions on the day as he'd go 31 for 44, 326 yards passing with three touchdowns. And then unfortunately those two interceptions. And, you know, not a lot was able to get going in the run game. Kyler Murray, he would actually lead the team in rushing with only 36 yards on the day. Eno Benjamin, who was a lead back in this game, he would only have 22. But Kyler Murray's literal safety blanket, DeAndre Hopkins, who's a top five wide receiver in the NFL, he would go off against the Minnesota Vikings today as he'd make catch after catch after catch as DeAndre Hopkins on the day would have 12 receptions for 159 yards receiving and one touchdown. Rondell Moore as well, the former Purdue Boilermaker, he would have 92 receiving yards with one touchdown. But ultimately, the Cardinals wouldn't be able to do enough. And the Minnesota Vikings, they continue to improve and improve after that Week 2 loss against the Philadelphia Eagles. As Minnesota, they now, or as Minnesota, they now improve to 6-1 and one on the year. And the Arizona Cardinals, they now fall to 3-4 and four on the year. As Minnesota, they beat the Arizona Cardinals 34-26. to 26. So, I mean, hey, I don't really know. I mean, I didn't, really, I didn't really watch way too much of this game. I did see that DeAndre Hopkins obviously had just a spe spectacular game. But overall, for the most part, Minnesota, they just had their way in this game. And now, guys, for the final game of our noon slate that we did have, we had an absolute thriller down in Atlanta as we had P.J. Walker and the Carolina Panthers taking on Marcus Mariota and the Atlanta Falcons and well. This game was just overall really entertaining to watch. Unfortunately, I couldn't watch every single second of it, but from the time I did 
this was one heck of a game. This game would actually go into overtime after P.J. Walker would throw an absolute Hail Mary into the end zone to D.J. Moore as D.J. Moore would miraculously catch that with two defenders on his back. And this would send this, and this would actually send the game to overtime. I think Carolina, they missed the extra point. So the game would eventually go to overtime tied at 34-all. P.J. Walker on the day actually had a really solid game, 19 for 36, 317 yards passing with one touchdown and one interception. Marcus Mariota, outside of throwing two interceptions, didn't do horrifyingly bad, 18 for 26, 235 yards passing with three touchdowns. And just, I mean, man, Deontay Foreman, who had an amazing week, I think, last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Was it the Bucs or the week before? But when they played the Buccaneers, he had an amazing week against them as he had a 100-yard 100, 100 rushing game then. And he puts up another 100-yard rushing game and also puts up three touchdowns as well. I don't know what it was this week where it just seemed like running backs were getting three touchdown rushing games. I mean, it was, it was just, this was definitely a running back week as Deontay Foreman, the former star at Texas, he would have 26 carries for 117 yards rushing and three touchdowns. And then like I talked about a little bit early on, DJ Moore, who has kind of been a you know huge trade rumor so far right now, obviously with the trade deadline coming today, uh, you know, a lot of people have been debating on if he'll get moved if he won't get moved i know carolina they said they won't move him but once again this is a business the price is right they'll definitely move him but anyway dj moore he had an amazing game today six receptions for 152 yards receiving and one touchdown and then for the atlanta falcons receiving wise demir bird would really be their only source of receiving two receptions for 59 yards receiving and one touchdown as they mostly would run the ball in this game but i mean just this game was such an absolute fun one to watch as ultimately in overtime, Carolina, they would miss what would be a field goal that wouldn't win them the game. But in case you don't know, if you score a touchdown, you automatically win the game. You kick a field goal, you know, the, the other team gets a chance to score. But they would miss the field goal. Eddie Pinero would miss it. And then Marcus Mariota would literally have an amazing 30-yard run to get the Falcons all the way down the field so that young Waku would be able to kick the game-winning field goal. As the Atlanta Falcons, they would go on to beat the Carolina Panthers and take rightful first-place ownership of the uh, NFC South. 37-34 to 34 is Atlanta. They now improved to 4-4 four and four on the year. And the Carolina Panthers, they now fall to 2-6. and six. And likely, we could see a lot of Carolina Panthers end up getting dealed at the trade deadline. So that'll be something just to kind of continue to watch. So, But anyway, y'all, that'll wrap up our noon slate of games. So now let's talk about our late slate of games that we had on this beautiful NFL Sunday. And the first game to kick it off and one of the more dominant rushing, like rushing performances that we had of the weekend came from Derrick Henry of the Tennessee Titans as we had the Tennessee Titans traveling down south to take on the Houston Texans and well for uh for the Tennessee Titans the big storyline going into this game was the fact that Ryan Tannehill their uh their veteran starter he would not be playing in this game so income third round pick was a third was he third I think it was a fifth third or fifth round pick Malik Willis out of Liberty who potentially was supposed to be a first round pick in the 2022 NFL draft but fell but overall they had a lot of high hopes for this kid and he's he's kind of expected to become the replacement for Ryan Tannehill when his time is done in Tennessee so going into this game that's what a lot of people were expecting was how would Malik Willis do and well Malik Willis in this game really didn't have to do much because of the run attack from the Tennessee Titans as Malik Willis in his first career NFL start he would go six for ten 55 yards throwing with zero touchdowns did throw an interception but really didn't really have too many opportunities to showcase his arm just due to the fact that well like I mentioned a little bit earlier on Derrick Henry had just a 
brutally amazing day for the Tennessee Titans is on the day Derrick Henry, a.k.a. King Henry, who's one of the top running backs in the NFL, he had 32 carries for 219 yards rushing and two touchdowns with a long of 41. And I mean, seriously... It just looked like the Tennessee, the, not Tennessee, it just looked like the Houston Texans just could not stop him. I mean, as fast as he moves for as big as he is, it's just absurd. And I really don't blame teams for not being able to stop him. I mean, he's just un, like unhuman-like. And, you know, they also were able to put up an additional 95 rushing yards between Malik Willis and then Hilliard, their backup running back. So, really good day for Tennessee running the ball. But the biggest concern is... Teams are going to pick up on this. Teams are not always going to let you have a 219-yard rushing day. You know, they're going to eventually make it to where their defensive game plan is going to be about stopping the run. So if you're Tennessee, you've got to fix some things to be able to get, you know, be able to throw the football because in this game, Tennessee, they only had 55 passing yards total in this game among all their wide receivers. Robert Woods, he led them with only 26. So something's definitely got to, you know, you know what I mean? I mean, the biggest thing you want to do is whatever's working in this game, you want to keep doing it. And that's exactly what Tennessee, they did in this game. I mean, they had a total of 45 carries, you know, with the football, right? And they only had really, you know, obviously those 10 throwing passes. So just overall, I mean, a really good game offensively for the Titans. I mean, they didn't put up as many points as you probably would think they would have. But, you know, just overall, just. I mean, the line played amazing considering all the injuries they've had. Their left tackle, Taylor Lewan, he's out for the rest of the year. So, obviously, that sucked. But, I mean, not a bad game by Tennessee. And then for the Texans, they offensively just could not get anything going. Davis Mills on the day didn't play horrifically bad, but did not play good by any means. Going 17 for 29, 152 yards passing with one touchdown and one interception. Damian Pierce, who's kind of everybody's fantasy dream crush, literally, um, didn't really do too much in this game. 15 carries for 35 yards rushing and zero, zero touchdowns. It also didn't help either. The O-line was kind of inconsistent today for the Texans. And then receiving-wise, Brandon Cooks, who's arguably one of the top wide receivers right now, being discussed in a lot of these trade deadline acquisitions. He had four receptions for 73 yards receiving and had an amazing catch literally in garbage time. So I do think he'll be – I do personally think he'll be dealt because there's no reason for them to keep on to him. His value is decently high, and I know a lot of teams, especially like Green Bay, that would really want a guy like Brandon Cooks on their team, You know, especially to pair it up with a guy like Aaron Rodgers who can throw the football really good down the field. So, But anyway, the Tennessee Titans, they would go on to beat the Houston Texans 17-10 to as, as Tennessee, they now improved to 5-2 and two on the year. And the Texans, they now fall to 1-5-1 and one on the year. So, yeah, not a great start for Lovey Smith and the Texans. But they do have a bunch of young pieces that, if they properly develop, could potentially have a pretty solid future for the Texans. But anyway, guys, the next game that we're going to talk about in our noon – or not noon slate – for our late slate of games that we're going to be talking about is going to be the Washington Commanders, who don't have Carson Wentz. Remember, he's still out with an injury traveling to Indianapolis to take on the Indianapolis Colts, who benched Matt Ryan. I mean, I know he's doing with the injury, but like uh, like Frank Wright said, he would not have been starting regardless. So in comes former Texas standout quarterback Sam Ellinger as the new starter for the Colts the rest of this year. And in this game, he didn't really play that bad. He was really conservative with his passes, didn't really try to make you know, the flashy play or anything like that is on the day. Sam Ellinger, he would go 17 for 23, 201 yards passing, zero touchdowns and zero interceptions. But he did have one fumble, which 
kind of costed them the game in a way, but so did Jonathan Taylor, their star running back, who finally had a decent game for once. 16 carries for 76 yards rushing, didn't get a touchdown, but it was good to at least see Jonathan Taylor finally be able to put some yardage on the board. And then on the flip side for Washington, their starting quarterback, Taylor Heineke, he didn't have that bad of a game either. 23 for 31, 279 yards passing, one touchdown and one interception. And, excuse me, guys. He came in really clutch at the end of the game as Taylor Heineke, he would rush into the end zone to give the Washington Commanders the lead with only 20 seconds left in the fourth quarter. And ultimately, that would be all that they would need as Washington, they would go on to beat the Indianapolis Colts 17-16. to So my prediction, it stayed right for this game. I didn't expect it to be this close, but my prediction was right. Washington, they did come out with a win, but not a bad game overall for Sam. A lot of things they need to work on, but overall, not not a bad game. They got a lot better quarterback play than they would have gotten with Matt Ryan because they probably would have had three interceptions instead of the one fumble. So I'd rather have that one fumble rather than the three interceptions and this be a blowout game for Washington. Uh, scary Terry McLaurin. He had an amazing game for the Commanders. Six receptions for 113 yards receiving. Just absolutely just an amazing day for him. And got to give a lot of credit to Washington's defense. I mean, they really, they really uh, came up and, I mean, really defended against this Indianapolis offense when it mattered the most. So Washington, they get a really good win and a very much needed win, 17-16 to over the Indianapolis Colts as the Commanders. They now improved a 4-4 four and four on the year, and the Indianapolis Colts, they now fall to 3-3-1. Uh, three, three and one. So, yeah, kind of a, kind of a, just an interesting interesting uh, record, 3-3-1. Three, three and one. I think I forgot what team it was, but at one point there was a team that had like 3-2-1 and one a while back. But but anyway, I'm not going to keep rambling. But guys, the next game that we do have on our late slate of games, we're going to travel over to the West Coast as we had the San Francisco 49ers taking on the L.A. Rams. And well, for me personally, I thought the Rams should be able to beat the 49ers in this game. I know Christian McCaffrey, dude is, dude is just unbelievable, and we'll talk a little bit about what he did in this game. But... I thought Matthew Stafford and this team would be able to step up and, you know, truly be able to beat this San Francisco 49er team. But that was not the case at all as Jimmy G had a great game today. 21 for 25, 235 yards passing, two touchdowns and zero interceptions. And obviously, we've got to talk about the guy that really, and I mean, just really had a incredible game arguably one of his best career games Christian McCaffrey the new acquisition that the 49ers got in that trade from Carolina and they didn't even have to give that much up to get him a second third round pick in this year's draft and a fourth round pick in next year's draft not that bad for an all-pro running back but anyway Christian McCaffrey on the day he would have one passing touchdown one rushing touchdown and one receiving touchdown so he would get the triple crown version in football and this would be the first time that a running back has done this since Ladanian Tomlinson the Hall of Famer back in 2005 aka the year when I was born so that's just incredible huge game by Christian McCaffrey he would have 94 yards rushing on the day with the touchdown and then in the receiving game he would have 55 receiving yards at San Francisco they would go on to blow out the LA Rams and the defending Super Bowl champions 31 to 14 as the 49ers they now improve to 4 and 4 and the Rams they now fall to 3 and 4 and I really just scratching the head about you know where do we go from this point on you know running back 
biggest concern. They tried to get Christian McCaffrey before the 49ers did. That didn't work out. Cam Akers, he's going to be likely gone before the trade deadline. Matthew Stafford didn't have a horrible game, 22 for 33, 187 yards passing with one touchdown. But you can obviously tell he's dealing with some type of injury. I mean, it's it's just so it's just so blatantly obvious. But you know, something we'll never officially know. Cooper Cup didn't have a bad game, eight receptions for 79 yards receiving and one touchdown, but it's just the fact that they could never really get anything going on offense to counter the points that the 49ers were able to put up on offense, and that's really what cost them the game too. And the fact that the Rams' defense, which was supposed to be their strong suit, I mean, you ask anybody, this was really supposed to be the strong suit of the Rams. It really hasn't shown up this year. I mean, it. I mean, honestly... Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, all these guys, they haven't really shown up like crazy this year. I know Leonard Floyd in this game, he had two sacks, but outside of that, you know, defensively, they didn't really do much. So, but anyway, the 49ers, they get a very crucial win, in, especially in their division over their rival, the Los Angeles Rams. As the 49ers, they beat the Rams 31-14. to And now, guys, we're going to talk about our final late, or late slate game, whatever you want to call it, late afternoon, early evening, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, this game we're going to be talking about is going to be the New York Giants traveling out west to take on Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. And after watching this game, I think Geno Smith might genuinely have an actual case to can possibly contend for MVP. Call me crazy, he, he won't win it, but I think honestly he has a genuine chase to say, hey, why don't I potentially have a case to be MVP because he just balled out in this game going 23 for 34 212 yards passing with two touchdowns and zero interceptions he also he also added 26 rushing yards as well and then Kenneth Walker who has been amazing these past few weeks you know especially the game against the Rams where he just balled out he also had a pretty solid game as well he did trip over himself a little bit a couple times in this game and probably should have had more yardage than it shows on the stat sheet but I mean, not a bad game for Kenneth Walker. 18 carries for 51 yards rushing and one touchdown. And the real story in this game has got to be just how well Seattle's defense played in this game. I mean, they just played so amazing. They had two fumble recoveries on the day. And just to add on top of that as well, they also had three sacks. And they really, and I mean really, didn't allow Daniel Jones and this New York Giant offense to get going. I personally thought the Giants would have won this game, so I'm glad that the Seahawks proved me wrong because – I think everybody, they like an underdog story, and, well, we're getting exactly that in the form of the Seattle Seahawks because Daniel Jones, he only had, like, 50 total something yards at halftime, had 17 passing yards at half. I mean, it was, when I tell you a horrendous first half for the Giants offense, it was horrendous, but Daniel Jones on the day, he would have 16 carries for 20, or he had 16 completions on 27 attempts for 158 yards passing with zero touchdowns and zero interceptions. Saquon Barkley, they would try to get him going, but that Seattle pass rush was just way too much for him as he would have 20 carries for 53 yards rushing and one touchdown. And ultimately, it would just be the fact that the new, the uh, Seattle Seahawks overall, they played much better, and their defense really, and I mean really, came in clutch form as Seattle. They get a huge win over the New York Giants as Seattle. They now improve to 4 and or not four and three. They now improved to five and three on the year, and the Giants they now fall to six and two. And once again, Seattle they beat the Giants twenty-seven to thirteen in what was just an amazing game by Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. So, but yeah, guys, let me know personally what y'all's favorite game has been so far in the day. Mine had to have been my Dallas Cowboys finally finding who I feel should be their number one running back. Now, 
You can disagree, whatever you want, but at least right now, I do think Tony Pollard should be the starting running back for the Dallas Cowboys. But anyway, guys, that'll take us to our final game on Sunday, and that game is going to be, and that game was between the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers taking on Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills on Sunday night football. And well, for the Green Bay Packers, they've dropped three straight games, losing to the Jets. I think, yeah, losing to the Jets, losing to the Giants, and last week when they lost to Washington. So they're really wanting to bounce back. And unfortunately, playing in Buffalo on primetime, especially on Sunday night, is not going to definitely help you out. And also, it doesn't help the fact that Buffalo, they arguably have one of the top offenses in the whole NFL with Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous how good they are on offense. And, you know... For the Packers, their defense is not horrible by any means, but definitely their offense, which has just struggled to find consistent wide receiver play, it really took a factor in this game for the Packers. As Aaron Rodgers really did not have a a decent wide receiver target in this game, Romeo Dobbs, the rookie out of Nevada, he had a really good game today. Four receptions for 62 yards receiving and one touchdown, and that would really be it for just receiving totals-wise. I mean, the offensive line didn't really play as great. You also can put it on Aaron Rodgers a little bit. You know, he stayed a little bit too long in the pocket, but overall, just wish wide receivers were dropping like Foz. I mean, they really weren't targeting Sammy Watkins. Their their second round pick from this past year's draft, Christian Watson, he would he would literally leave the game after the first drive with a concussion. So right now, Green Bay's just really banged up. Their whole wide receiver core is really banged up. Randall Cobb's out, Alan Lazard's out. The list goes on and on and on, and it definitely showed in this game. But the one really bright spot on their offense was Aaron Jones. Not Aaron Rodgers, but the other Aaron, Aaron Jones, as he balled out today and what I've been preaching a lot is just run the ball. I mean, Green Bay has a really good run game with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, and it showed in this game as Aaron Jones, he would have 20 carries for 143 yards rushing, and he really was starting to gain some momentum in the third quarter. Excuse me, guys. And then A.J. Dillon as well, he was able to put up 54 rushing yards of his own, but just unfortunately at the end of the day, a few mistakes by Aaron Rodgers and just the, the uh, Packers defense and some of the mistakes they made as well, their first-round pick. Uh, out of Georgia, Quay Walker, he would get ejected for shoving a Buffalo Bill uh, employee on the sideline. So that was obviously just not a good start. And then to make matters worse, their starting linebacker, Devondre Campbell, who was a pro bowler last year, he would actually have to leave the game with a, a lower leg injury. So hopefully everything is okay with him. But, you know, Josh Allen, who actually did make a few mistakes tonight, he threw two pretty costly uh, interceptions that really could have kept Green Bay in this game. But, I mean, just simply the fact of how good Stephon Diggs is, six receptions for 101, eight, or 108 yards receiving and one touchdown, and just overall the Buffalo Bills and their defense especially – with their uh, former, with the former Virginia Tech linebacker and their starting linebacker Tremaine Edmonds, as he would have 16 total tackles on the day, and they also would just have a nasty pass rush with guys like Vaughn Miller, Greg Rizal, and just all—I mean, just they were so good on defense today, and that's really what carried them in this game. And it looked like Buffalo could have really gone away with this game, as they actually were beating Green Bay 24 to seven at half, but. Overall, not a bad day by the Buffalo Bills. A few things that, you know, Josh Allen needs to fix on a little bit. Just made a few bad decisions. But overall, really good day by the Buffalo Bills as they would go on to beat Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers 24 or 27-17 as Buffalo. They now improved to 6-1 on the year. And now Green Bay Packers, they now drop their fourth straight game and fall to 3-5 and five on the season. So not the ideal way I think the Packers saw their year coming. And I definitely... 
definitely a lot of us the same way because I did not expect the Packers to be 3-5 and five at this point in the year. But anyway, good win for Buffalo. And then for Green Bay, just really injury riddled and just a lot of things they've got to fix. But anyway, guys, let's get to our final game and that will be on hollow and that would be not will be that would be on Halloween night as we and on Monday night football as we had the Cincinnati Bengals led by their star qu quarterback Joe Burrow taking on the Cleveland Browns led by their star running back Nick Chubb and yes you can clown me for saying the whole Joe Burrow thing but I mean he is swaggy we can't lie but <laughs> but anyway guys in this game Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals their offense was anything but swaggy or shysty or whatever s word that you do want to use because man oh man in this game did the Cincinnati Bengals offense just look horrendous and I don't want to put a lot of blame on Joe Burrow because his offensive line was horrible Miles Garrett and, J and Jadavion Clowney uh, for the Cleveland Browns on each side of the defensive line. They were just absolutely running by Jonah Williams and Lael Collins, the former Dallas Cowboys right tackle, which a lot of people gave Dallas a lot of crap for getting rid of them. But now that we're looking at it, it might have been the right decision, you know, cap-wise and just the simple fact that Lael just could not block or stop Miles Garrett or Jadavion Clowney when they lined up right in front of him. As Joe Burrow on the day, he'd go 25 for 35, 232 yards passing with two touchdowns and one interceptions. And if you're wondering how the if you're wondering how the run game went, well, they only put up 36 rushing yards on the day. Joe Mixon would only have eight carries for 27 yards rushing, and the play calling was just amped the entire game because well, they had to get they had to get the ball out quick. Their offensive line just could not handle the D line of the Cleveland Browns. T. Higgins he would have three receptions on the day for 49 yards receiving and one touchdown, and would lead the Bengals in receiving yards. And he would have an unreal catch towards the end of the game, but it was really just a garbage time touchdown and. Really won't get talked a lot about just due to the fact that, well, the Bengals were down 32-6 to when he scored. So, yeah, not really ideal. But on the flip side for the Cleveland Browns, their backup quarterback, Jacoby Brissett, he deserves a lot of credit in this game. As some point in the first half, he, got, he landed awkwardly on his shoulder. And definitely you could tell he was dealing with some pain. But... He dealt with it. He he absolutely just said, you know what? I need to carry this team. And that's exactly what he did in this game as he would go 17 for 22, pretty much dang near perfect, 278 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. Just an absolute amazing game for Jacoby Brissett. And we also cannot forget to mention this, even though the Browns won, Amari Cooper would throw his first ever career NFL pass on a weird little, you know, reverse, reverse. And just one of the worst passes I think I've ever seen, and it would get picked. But despite that, one pass that Amari Cooper did have, Amari Cooper himself, when it came to receiving-wise, he, he tore up this pretty beaten-down secondary of the Cincinnati Bengals. As on the day, Amari Cooper, he would have five receptions for 131 yards receiving and one touchdown. Absolutely balled out today. And, you know, well, can't forget the man, the myth, the legend, the running back for the Cleveland Browns, Nick Chubb because man did he also have a really good day as well 23 carries for 101 yards rushing and two touchdowns and one of those touchdowns was actually in the wildcat formation where he took the snap directly so just a really good day for this Cleveland Browns offense but I think their defense deserves a ton of credit in this game and most specifically Miles Garrett as he would have technically two sacks but they gave him one and a half sacks on this day and he just had 
a ton of quarterback hurries. The whole line played good. The secondary played really good. A lot of the young guys played really well. I mean, despite not having Denzel Ward, obviously the all-pro cornerback for the Browns, they played outstanding. And since we're talking about the secondaries of the Cleveland Browns, Let's talk a little bit about Cincinnati and their current uh, current situation and their secondary because their secondary is pretty much down to their backup safeties and you know their first round pick Daxton Hill out of uh, Michigan who was a safety they had to actually bring and put him into corner after Cheeto Bayouzie and Trey Flowers would both leave this game so it's looking really bad right now for the Cincinnati the Cincinnati Bengals almost said Bearcats I've been watching too much college football. The Bengals really, they've got to get some depth in the the cornerback position, so expect them potentially to have by this point because the trade deadline will probably already be done by the time this comes out. Expect them to have targeted some type of corner because they are looking really, and I mean really, and I mean really shallow when it comes to depth in their cornerback room. But anyway, the Cleveland Browns would go on to beat the Cincinnati Bengals on Halloween night. 32-13 32-13 to 13, as Cleveland, they now improve to 3-5 and five on the year. And the Bengals, they now fall to 4-4. Four and four. And man, I'll be honest, I did not think Cleveland would win. And I did not think Cleveland would win by this much. But they proved me wrong. And I mean, hey, it is what it is. I mean, Cleveland, you can tell they have a lot of great pieces. Amari Cooper, obviously, is a wide receiver that you're going to want to be at your one position. Nick Chubb, arguably one of the toughest and best running backs in all of the NFL. And then when Deshaun Watson comes back, I know everybody has a lot of mixed opinions about him, but he'll probably take a few games to get reacclimated back into the NFL because you have to remember, he hasn't played football since back in the COVID season, back in 2020, so that'll definitely be interesting. But anyway, just a really good win for the Cleveland Browns as we now have wrapped up week eight of the 2022 NFL season. So guys, thank y'all so much for listening to today's episode. Make sure you like, comment, share, rate, do whatever you can to make sure that we continue to spread the Cover 7 podcast to everybody out there so that they that they also can stay up to date with NFL and college football news. So guys, thank y'all so much once again and truly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. And also, make sure to check out College Football Week 9 recap episode which came out on Sunday. So guys, thank you. Thank you so much once again. And I will also see y'all back here on Wednesday as we have NFL Week 9 preview and College Football Week 10 preview episodes coming out at 12 p.m. Central and 6 p.m. Central. So see you guys on Wednesday and have an amazing rest of y'all's day. Peace.